Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am Janice Leibovitz. You are my People of the Book. I hope you are warm wherever you are. And today I've got something quite different for you because today we are talking children's books. And it is my absolute pleasure to introduce my guest to you, Claire Tucker, down on the Wild Coast. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Well, figuratively, joys of technology. So, um, Claire, tell me a little bit about you, a bit of background. Oi. Okay. So, I mean, how much time do we have? Because one doesn't really want to bore okay. your listeners. Nutshell Nutch- version, you've but, got uh, three minutes. In a nutshell, in a nutshell, I have two kids who are, are just phenomenal, a long-suffering, extraordinarily patient husband of 22 years. Um, I run a company. We do all sorts of things, but let's not even go there. And uh, I am absolutely addicted to horses. I have been my entire life. So I have a horse, uh, which sucks up pretty much all of my cash. And I may need to sell a kidney shortly to keep him going. I was a bit nervous there. I thought you, I thought you were going to say you'd have to sell a kid, but. Uh... <laughs> I had several times when they were younger, but I quite like them now. You know, they really become fantastic young women, uh, the 10 and 12 respectively. And I've never really been a fan of children. So writing children's books doesn't really make any sense for me because I don't actually like kids that much. But I adore mine because they're sensible and brilliant and genius and terribly critical over my books. So if it can get past them, then we're okay. But the sensible and brilliant and genius, I mean, they must get it from their mother, obviously. Well, of course, of course, no. Of course, uh, and they, they, from and they, well. <laughs> and they feature, they feature in the books, right? They do. So the youngest one is like me and is addicted to all things equine. Um, and so she really has a love affair with horses. At present, she's busy stealing my horse from me to my absolute disgust. She looks much better on him than I do. It's horrific. But anyway, kids, what you do for them? Um, so she was kind of a natural fit for the books because it's all based on actual events just taken one step further. But then if you have two kids, you cannot possibly have one included in a book and not another. So the mice in all my books are actually Chloe, my older daughter. Uh, their escapades are something that she would do. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And we are going to talk about the books shortly. But just to, to give an intro to the books, the books are all about a horse by the name of Gorgeous George. And the books, currently there are five books in the Gorgeous George series. The plan is to have nine, am I correct? It is. Um, I'm afraid as I do the illustrations, and I'm not particularly talented artist being way better with words, uh, that does take a lot of time to get them out. Um, I have actually written all nine um, because that's the easy bit. It's just the drawing that kills me. So... Yes, there are five out right now. The latest one's just being launched at 
present, uh, George and the Nightmare. Um, so let's see how it goes. Uh, well, I think it's going quite well at the moment. I, I have to say the books are, I love them. Um, I think that's the child in me. I'm not a horse person at all. Um, but the, the books are, they're eye-catching. I think that the, that the pictures are gorgeous. I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I love the little mice that have their little escapades on every page running throughout every single book. And what is also beautifully clever is the, the little arts and crafts that you've added to the end of the book. But as I said, we're going to get onto all of that later. Um, for now, we're going to take a quick break. I love it. Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am back with my guest. I'm chatting today to Claire Tucker, and we are talking about her series of children's books called Gorgeous George, and each has a different name, but all the books are about this beautiful horse. He's a Frisian horse. His name is George, and he's gorgeous, hence the name. So tell us how these books came about, Claire. Well, I um, I actually, I, I had a brain tumor removed uh, several years ago, and I've always been terribly passionate about horses, but... You know, kids come along and I spent time in the UK and, you know, it's an expensive hobby in the UK. So I hadn't ridden in years and then children arrive and you have priorities and financial obligations. And and then I had this brain tumor and I thought, hell, life's short. So you should just get back on the horse. At the same time, my little one, Ella, was... Uh, you know, it's kind of the first word she said was horse, similar to me, and you're just nutty about all things horses. So it started off with me trying to find her riding lessons. And um, eventually we wound up at the stable yard. And um, they had a horse there and uh, called George, a Frisian horse called George. And uh, a lovely fellow, but a um, little difficult to ride because he – was, well, he, he just had far too much imagination. So anytime he saw anything, it was clearly dangerous and likely to eat his legs off. Um, so, you know, one loses one's sense of fear after a certain age. So I said, oh, I'll hop on him, you know, have a ride. That'd be great. And so I started riding George. And at the same time, my mother was terribly ill uh, with cancer. She passed away two years ago. And so she was bedridden, and I used to come home and tell her all these stories about what was going on at the stables and anthropomorphize the animals and uh, the events and what had happened. And she would, her face would light up, this little thin, sick woman who was just hanging on tenaciously to life, refusing to give in. Uh, and she would, she would laugh. And my mother has, I suppose she has been the, articulate person in my life. She studied English literature. She was incredibly well-spoken, brilliant woman, fiercely intelligent, creative, all of those wonderful things one could wish for in a mom. And uh, so she said, no, no, you really must write these down. 
And then I was on a business trip and it was pouring with rain and I had these Americans out and I was in Cape Town and it was raining sideways as only it does in Cape Town. And I had to entertain them on the weekend. So I dragged them around and showed them all the standard things. And eventually it was just too bloody miserable to do anything. So I said, come chaps, look at the hotel. There's a fire, there's wine, enjoy. And so I dumped them there and I disappeared into my room and I started writing just because I don't know why. And I wrote the first book and I brought it back and I, I read it to my mother when I eventually finished my business trip. And she said, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then within three months, the next three had, uh, the next nine, sorry, had just popped out because I just found humor in certain moments. And then that just carries on. I don't, I don't really know how, but my mind just sort of spits out this rhyming garbage. Um, Anyway, then my mother got more and more ill, and um, I thought as a, as kind of a thing for her to try and keep her hanging around, I'd uh, I'd publish the first one. So, of course, I sent it out to publishers, and they went, no, 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 this is rubbish. No one reads uh, rhyming books. And I thought, oh, you've never heard of the Gruffalo. Not that I'm comparing myself to the Gruffalo in any shape or form. She's brilliant. <laughs> But I grew up on Roald Dahl's revolting rhymes. Who doesn't read rhyming poetry? You know, if, if, um, if kids aren't reading, you know, revolting rhymes these days, what are they ingesting? Seriously, there needs to be, um, we need to bring it back. Absolutely. I mean, isn't, isn't that, isn't that how we get children interested in words and in reading and, and excited about books? I would have thought it so. is. I used to read my kids the Harry McClary series. And oh, those were our they best. Read. They were stunning. Harry McClary from Dairy. That's right. Out of the gate and down the lane came Harry McClary from Donaldson's Dairy. Absolutely. That was eight years ago, and I can still quote them word for word. It's horrible. Um, <laughs> but the kids, after a while, they start reading in inverted commas the books to themselves because they remember the rhyme. And so it becomes easy for them to learn the book. And then they get a, a sense of empowerment because now they're reading the book. And even better, I'm not able to drink wine while they're reading the book and just, you know, make the appropriate noises every so often and assist in turning a page. But um, anyway, going backwards, my mother, um, she was getting very ill. So after having been uh, turned down by pretty much anyone you could think of, I went, oh, well, sod that. I'll do it myself. So I found this a self-publishing house called Reach Publications, and they went – um, okay, send us the stuff. Like, I'm sure they have thousands of people finding them going, Oh, I've got a brilliant idea for a book. It's going to be a bestseller. And, uh, anyway, so they kind of rolled their eyes and I sent them the book and they came back to me and they said, Oh, we love this. We have to do this. This is brilliant. And then, and, and did you have the, the illustrations done as well at the time? Had you already well, done I'd, those? I'd started, I'd started ferreting around with them and I, I actually went to see them because I like doing things face to face. So I actually sat in front of uh, the chap there and said, look, what do you think? And he went, well, you know, um, I really love the story. We could probably help you with the illustrations. So I went, okay, that's great. So what I did is I drew the illustrations in pen and ink, and they then apply a digital background, color background, which gives it that smooth, much more beautiful effect than me coloring it in with a pencil crown. Anyway, so it sounds terrible. It sounds like these books from the back alley. I, and I assure you, I assure you, 
I assure you, <laughs> darling, darling, listen, I assure you, these are not pencil crayon drawings. These are gorgeous, <laughs> prof- professional, beautifully drawn illustrations. These are, these are stunning books. Oh, well, thank you. Anyway, so then I, I, I decided I needed to move faster because my mother was waning. And uh, and so I got the first book out and I dedicated it to her so that she would have the first book. And she passed shortly thereafter. And I was quite pleased because I'd done it. And, and then I thought, oh, okay, that's it. And then I thought, nah, come on, you've done the first one. Do another one just for hell, just just for the fun of it, you know. And um, and And then it just snowballed. And now I'm doing them and I'm not really sure why, but they keep coming out. So, so we're on a roll. Please buy them. I need the money. Um, <laughs> yes, she needs the money because, um, just because very soon her daughter is going to want her own horse and no um, chance of that happening. <laughs> well, then you're going to have to give up your horse. Uh, no, I've probably, I'm probably going to have to be that mother. Um, sacrifice for the children. I'm not sure I'm quite there yet. Though. A whole horse. A whole horse, yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's where we are. And actually, uh, ridiculously enough, I have a chapter book that I'm busy working on, except this time I wasn't quite so stupid to do my own drawings. I have strong-armed my phenomenal horse riding instructor, a young woman by the name of Robin Ramsey, who is just the most gifted horsewoman I have ever come across. Um, and she also does the most incredible art. So for her sins in knowing me, she is, she's now been roped into illustrating the chapter books. And, uh, hopefully at this minute in this weather, she's busy doing that, not writing. <laughs> so yeah, so that's coming. So there's more coming. It's, it's just, it's kind of unstoppable. This, this beer myth. It's one, yeah, one tree out once you start, it's yeah. a bit of an avalanche. Um, and we're going to chat more. I, I want to chat more about the ideas that you put into to George. And, and I mean, George is a real personality. And um, I'm, I'm going to ask. Well, he's a real person. He's a real, he, he's a person horse. And um, just like he, he is a many, many people have person dogs, people dogs, you know. And we're going to chat more about the ideas and and you know he's he's this big, beautiful, fearless looking horse, but as you'll learn as you read the books and when you go out and buy them, and we're going to tell you where they're available um George is scared of his own shadow actually, so um we're going to chat some more shortly about where all those ideas come from. I love it when you Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I am back with my guest, Claire Tucker, and we're talking children's books today. Claire has written a gorgeous series of books about a beautiful horse by the name of Gorgeous George. Gorgeous George is a large Frisian horse, who is beautiful, big to look at, but actually scared of his own shadow. And Claire, tell me, where did you get all these ideas? Because in each book, um, George proves that he might be big to look at and quite scary to others too, who are much smaller than him. 
but um, he's actually he he's a big scaredy cat. If you're allowed to use the term cat for a horse, um, <laughs> where do these ideas come from? Are these were these based on your children? Were these fears that you've noticed in in other children, in in other people? Where do the ideas come from? I hate to say it, but it's nothing quite so sophisticated. <laughs> um, actually, it is just uh, taking a look at the reactions of this animal and going, oh, all right, and then warping it a little further. So, for instance, in this, um, George, George himself is the most spectacularly beautiful animal I've ever seen. But I'm, I'm a horse person, so I think horses are just generally gorgeous. But Frisian horses were originally bred for uh, war. They were horses for knights. Then once knights stopped knighting, uh, they became carriage horses. So they're very strong. They're very powerful. They have a very high head carriage, beautiful gait. They're generally black with long flowing manes and tails. They are magnificent animals and normally much bigger as in width than other horses. So they look like tanks. But, uh, and George does look like a tank. He, he's, he's incredible. Um, but, uh, he's, as I, as I've mentioned, he's, his imagination is a little too well developed for a horse. So he will walk past a bush and he will understand that this bush has tentacles somewhere will be wrapping around his hoofs shortly and dragging him under the bush to devour him because horse meat is the only thing that that bush wants oh, in this moment in time. So when George and I went out riding, we'd kind of get to a little grate that we'd stepped over 4,000 times before, and I'd say to him, George, we're coming up to the grate. I have checked. There's nothing in it today. We're good to step over. And George quite literally would sort of look at me and go, are you sure? And all of this is playing out in my head while I'm riding, George. Of course, he's not really talking to me. I'm not completely mental. But, you know, this this is the way my mind works. So um, I just saw this conversation with George. Because, of course, George can talk. It's just you need to understand him. And um, and it just went from there. With regards to there being a deeper message, that just sort of happened um and it wasn't intentional but it seems to have just gone that way um i just wanted to write entertaining books because i was so sick to death of the drivel that one gets with children's books these days if you don't import a book like the harry mcclary series or the gruffalo you know you get these dreadful books about bobo the elephant who has balloon oh no bobo has lost the balloon Oh, here comes Bobo's friend, Jeffrey. Look, Bobo now has another balloon. So I want to kill myself reading those books to the children, and within five seconds, the children are bored as well. So you want something with a bit of humor, and uh, it's got to have a little plot. It's got to have a start, a minute, uh, start, a middle, and a finish. There's got to be something. Uh, there's so much that's dumbed down to children, and I refuse to dumb it down. The words I use can be complicated and they can be difficult and they can be interesting. But 
surely this sort of age is the time where you should expand vocabulary, throw as much at them as possible because little brains are like sponges. Then they become teenagers and then they become idiots. So while they're young and um, super absorbent, throw them th- – Throw throw a dictionary at them. Let them understand words like iridescent and effervescent and anything else you can think of um, and use that going forward. But at the end of the day, um, I think George just goes about his daily life and there's always something that happens. So I haven't – well, I've written it, but I haven't illustrated it yet. I've got another book called The Hay Heist. Um, and the premise is that the hay in the stables goes missing and uh, eventually they find out that there's a thief who's stealing the hay. Now this came about when the geese at the stables started laying eggs and I kept noticing them walking past me with mouthfuls of hay. And I looked at them and I went, what are the geese doing? Oh, they're building a nest. Ah, well, of course. They're building a nest. There's lots of hay to go around. But in George's mind, there's, there's thievery afoot. So it's just things like that that were then warped further. Um, the, uh, but Claire, it's I not only the, it's not only the about the words. It's not only about the words, and it's not only about teaching children about words. This is also about um, talking to children about and opening up the conversation about feelings and emotions because that comes into play here as well. Yeah, you know, it's okay. To be the largest kid in the class and really not the bravest. You don't always have to step up. Um, it's also okay to ask questions. It's okay to be scared of things. Um, uh, for instance, this latest book that's come out, George and the Nightmare, that's just a play on words, the nightmare being uh, a horse, a female horse, which is a mare, that lives outside the stables at night. That is the nightmare. But uh, I remember my kids used to, you know, kids go through a, a phase where their imaginations are expanding and, and they start seeing the monster in the cupboard. And what I used to do is I used to stomp into their rooms with a bottle of water and spray the cupboard and shout at the monster and say, right, go home now. And because you're late, it's past your bedtime and you cannot play in my kids' cupboards anymore or under the bed or wherever you're going to be. So go away. And I thought, well, that's why in the back of the book, there's actually a little craft for desperate parents who have children that wake up screaming. Make a, put some water in a bottle, put a fancy label on it and give it to the child and empower them to get rid of their own monsters. Because it's okay to be afraid of monsters, but it's also okay to step up and tell them to leave. So I suppose it's just trying to empower kids beyond um, what we do. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. No, it absolutely does. I'm just trying to make them feel safe and secure at an age-appropriate level. And sometimes they they need little tools for that. And I remember when you're a sleep-deprived mother who's running a company and dealing with everything else, you seriously, you don't have time to come up with this. You're just going, oh, please, sleep through the night, anything. Just sleep through the night. So I don't know. Maybe it'll help the parents as well. Who knows? 
I think it does. And I like that idea. You, you've, you've put, um, a couple across at the back of each book. And some of the books just have one or two coloring pages. You know, just nice, simple coloring pages that will keep kids occupied. Whether it's, you know, some kids will take a couple of minutes to scribble a few colors in. Other kids will take yeah. time and, and color them in in detail. And, and there's, there's all different things at the back of each of these books that you've added the in. Idea, the idea here really is that the kids own the books. I mean, man, my parents bought beautiful books for me, but don't touch them because they're beautiful books. And um, I want kids to own these books. These are my books. Color them in. Put your mark on them. That's your George book. And send George a picture. He'd love to see what it looks like. You can you can send him pictures on on his Facebook page, or you can you can email him. And generally, he emails back. And, and well, George has a website, doesn't he? he? Does he have a website or a Facebook page? Is it just the Facebook page? <laughs> George, no, no. He has a website. Um, a horse with uh, a website. That's not something you, you hear about every day, is it? It's horrific, but I'd better get it right because I'm just about to get the web address wrong. Wait, I think so. I might have it here. Wait, I might, I might have it. Um... His website is www.gorgeousgeorgebooks.co.za. That's him. And you can email him at uh, george at gorgeousgeorgebooks.co.za. You can. And, and his Facebook page is um, Gorgeous George Books SA. So it really, is. there's no excuse for your children not to contact Gorgeous George. Whatever you do, don't, don't follow the, uh, gorgeous George wrestler in the US because, uh, that's really not children appropriate. <laughs> and and I have to, <laughs> I have to say that while I, while I was looking this up to, to tag gorgeous George in, in my, um, I think it was my Instagram post, um, a lot of George Michael as well. Just, just by the way. Oh, that's not too bad. So that, that's, that's okay bad. for, for people like us <laughs> of a certain age. So that's fine. There we go. <laughs> but just, yeah, just, just be careful and, and maybe supervise if your children well, are, are now, looking this up on their own. <laughs> well, hopefully now what you can do is you can put the George Michael on and listen to it while you're, cho- and drink wine while the children read their own books. So in the background, yes. Out. And that being said, I would love to read you this gorgeous, um, review that was sent to me. I did gift these books and I'm going to give you all the titles of the books that you need to go out and look for. Um, if you are listening and I'd like to, I, I gifted these books to for after I read them, of course, because I had to read them because children's books, who doesn't love reading children's books and they are just, they are gorgeous books and I gifted these books to my very wise seven-year-old neighbor, Nathanael Koffler. Nathanael, thank you for your help. And Nathanael's mom, Marissa, sent me Nathanael's review. And this is Nathanael's review of the Gorgeous George books. And he said, I read all the Gorgeous George books and I enjoyed them. I thought it was interesting that George has fears about everything. And it was funny that he thought Storm the Horse was an actual storm. Some of George's descriptions made me laugh, and the author was clever for putting the mice in the book. The books taught me not to be scared and to conquer my fears. That's coming from a seven-year-old. 
So (laughs) I think that might very well have been my best review ever. So I think we're going to make him head of the gorgeous George fan club. And um, so the mice, as you said earlier, the mice are based on your older daughter and they dance through every page of the book. I mean, they really get up to lots of, of escapades and lots of, um, lots of antics and I love them because you actually have to, you, you start looking for them on every page of the book to see what they're up to next. We used to do that um, with the with the girls when they were young. We'd have these. Um, oh, the, I can't remember what it was, but it, the little books and there was yellow duck on a page, and you had to find the yellow duck wherever you went. And and you know when the kids are um, when the kids are young, they really. Um, they, they're, they're kind of too young to stay as interested um, in the words as they are in the pictures. So if you give them a task to look for on every page, I find that the mice just sort of pull them through the book. And next thing you know, they're on the what, – what, what are the mice next? Where are the mice? Where are the mice? Oh, look, there's the mouse there, and he's, he's coloring in on the wall. That's a bad mouse. So – you know, I think it's just to try and uh, keep kids interested from an early age uh, right up to the age-appropriate age. And these books are appropriate for kids um, from about the age of four um, till about the age of, of eight or nine, would you say? Oh, I, I think eight or nine is too old, really. I'd sort of go between two and two and six or seven, but... You know, based on my kids who've always been voracious readers, um, I suppose it depends on your child. Um, but I, I kind of work between two and two and seven. And also the other thing with the mice, just, just getting back to that is when you, you know, the mice, they live very companion, companionably. Oh, big word. Um, Next to George, who is this, as we said, a very large horse. So you're looking at the tiny mouse and the very large horse living very happily side by side. You know, don't we wish we could all get along so well? Well, George is fairly all encompassing. You know, he makes friends with the geese and, and anyone there is. And in the second book, George finds a friend. That's actually George trying desperately to find his own friend. Um, because, uh, the, the first two books are really George's origin story. He was actually a, a horse that was living out in the bush and was rescued by this marvelous woman who, uh, he was skin and bones, absolutely dreadful, thin as a rake. And, uh, she brought him back to her stable yard and fed him up and he turned out to be the most beautiful, beautiful animal. So, yeah, I suppose the moral of the story there is don't don't read a book by its cover, if you know what I mean. Um, don't always underlook or don't overlook uh, the beauty inside just because of what the exterior presents. Absolutely. The second book then is carries on from that, and it's uh, well, he's at the stables now. Now he's trying to uh, find a friend, so he chats to the thoroughbred and he says, uh, "Gosh, you know, can I be your friend?" And the thoroughbred says. You can't do dressage. You're very clumsy and you fall over everything. Just no, we have nothing in common. Go away. 
Uh, and this goes through all the horses. The little Arab sneers down her very beautiful, finely tailored nose at him because he can't jump. He gets stuck over the jumps. He's not a jumper. And eventually once he hits despondency central, along comes this little girl who looks at him and says, you are the most magnificent thing I have ever seen in my life. Please be my friend because I'm going to be your friend forever. And that's Ella. So... Again, yet I suppose it sounds dreadful. It's like a, another moral, but that wasn't really the intention. The intention was to to make a, a humorous book to read, and then it just it turned into that. And then we introduce Ella, and uh, and it goes from there. Uh, so I suppose one has to start at the beginning and work your way through all five. I, I must say, I think the the Nightmare is my favorite book so far. Okay, and just really, to, really... to give the, the titles oh. of the of the book, um, and the first one is Gorgeous George. The second one is George Finds a Friend. Then there's George and the Dragon, George and the Storm, and then this new one that is coming out right now, which is George and the Nightmare. So, like you said, currently five books available. Is George and the Nightmare in, in stores now? Is it available now? Um, it should be. B, we had a small snafu with printing, but um, my distributor, Blue Weaver, in Cape Town has received the books, and that should be going out to stores. I know Exclusive Books has done, um, they've sent something out this month to their readers, so you should be able to get it. Um, but if you can't find it, write to George, because... Write to George, uh, and George he, will, he, will, he will make a plan. He will, he he will, will definitely make a plan. Make a plan. Um, but it's yeah, also you available... Also yes, available sorry, on, on the website. Take, take a lot, Amazon, you know, it's, it's available there as well. Um, we are going and to be. And on the Gorgeous George website. And on the Gorgeous George website, of course. Yes. We are going to be back, um, just with a few. We're going to wrap up. We're going to just, you know, sum it all up and then we're going to wrap up. I love it when you read to me. Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I'm back with my guest, Claire Tucker. We've been talking about children's books, um, what they tell us, how they engage children with books, with words, with feelings, how to open up conversations with your kids. And we've been talking specifically about her series of gorgeous George books, all about the beautiful horse named George. Claire, how do your kids feel about their mom writing her very own series of books? Do they feel like these are their books? Gosh, um, I think it, it, it was called, it was kind of more appropriate for the younger one because she was more, it was more age appropriate, but I run everything past both of them, and they say yay or nay. This is humorous, or no, that sucks, Mom. Do it again. Yay so, or nay? Pun intended. Very funny. Literally. <laughs> literally. Uh, of course, I also ask George um, because you know he is uh, central to the entire process. But um, yeah, I think the first time I brought it out, uh, the first book, Ella was still the little one was still in um, prep school. And uh, the teachers said, well, come and read it to the class. Well, I think she nearly died of pride. There her <laughs> mother was. 
Well, really, there's, really. there's the difference between a young child and a, and a teenager. <laughs> died of pride, oh, died of embarrassment. Exactly. Ter- terribly impressed. But, you know, we've always been very creative in our family and we're always doing something. I mean, my mother was, all, my mother wrote books as well, but she, like me, she just sort of self-published them, but then only for the family. So they kind of, they kind of expect this. It's, if you're not churning out something useful and creative, what are you doing with your time besides working and, you know, providing income for school fees and medical aids and stuff like that? And so, horses. <laughs> and, and the never ending food pit. Yes. Yes. But worth every penny and you only live once. So when are we going to expect to see your own daughters writing their books? Wow. Well, I'm not sure about writing for the older one, but she, she's definitely going to do something in the art field. She makes, she's created the most incredible illustrations. And these days kids are, it's, it's different to when we grew up, you know, there's no more pencils and paper. Everything is done on, on iPads. Yeah. I'm just blown away by the artistic creativity that comes out of her. And she's very much a kind of an anime feel to her art, which just, it just blows my mind really. But I, I, I don't know if they're going to write their own books. You know, they're, uh, they're independent young beasties in their own right. They must uh, go forth and conquer in whatever field they feel comfortable as long as they conquer. That's, that's it. That's all they need to do is go out and be enthusiastic and intelligent and kind and uh, and make a success of it. Give it a go. Fabulous. Spoken like a true encouraging mom. Right. That that, that in itself speaks volumes, absolute volumes. And well, that, you know, if they fail, I'll beat them to death, one of the two. Pick one. It's fine. <laughs> With a glass of wine in one hand. Nothing like a bit of encouragement. Yes. Oh, yeah, provided they brought me the wine. Yes, <laughs> of course. So then, so so as we said, the first five books are out. How long is it going to take to roll, roll out, I hate that expression, the next um, four books in the series? Oh, my shattered nose. You know, it was all going swimmingly until we were hit with COVID. And, um, I mean, we'd had in, my publicist, um, Helen from Helco, uh, is absolutely Brilliant. She's the most incredible woman and she'd had me on the TV and we were going to be at book fairs and it was just marvelous. And then COVID went whammo. You're all staying home. You're grounded. The whole of the world is grounded effective immediately. You may not do anything. And, um, so because we're, my, my company is in, um, not essential services, but we're in foods. So, you know, we kept working all the way through. But when COVID hit, everybody started working a whole lot harder because it, it became a lot more desperate. So George kind of goes out the window a little bit because I've got a company to run. Uh, and that takes preference because right. I have people I've stopped depending on me for their livelihood. But um, I suppose I really should get off my button do more drawing i need to inspiration needs to kick in I, I, I need to if i could just if i could just publish them without the pictures it'd be awesome but there's no point in having a picture book without any pictures which is probably <laughs> why i wrote the chapter could be books. problematic i mean i know that helen is a powerhouse when it comes to promotion but i'm not sure even she could promote a picture book without pictures yeah yeah it's tricky 
but I'll get there. I'll get there. It's uh Let's just focus on the one I've just released. Okay. So let's do that. We're doing that, and that is George and the Nightmare. And as I said, the other ones are Gorgeous George, George Finds a Friend, George and the Dragon, and George and the Storm. And these are really beautiful books. They're wonderful rhyming books for children um, aged from about two to about six or seven. And I thoroughly enjoyed them, so they're for adults too. Kids and their parents. Thoroughly enjoyable and I highly recommend them. Claire, thank you so, so much for giving your time today. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you so much for inviting me on your show. I was completely delighted. Um, so anytime you need someone to natter on about horses, I'm available. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been lovely to chat about children's books for a change and, um, Go and get drawing so we can enjoy the next books in the series. We look forward to that really soon. Thank you very much. It's such a pleasure. And to you listening, as I tell you all the time, take care of yourself and each other. Go and get vaccinated if you are able to, if your age group is opened up. Wear a mask and read a book. <laughs>